What's going on? What's going on? What is going on? It's Richie Roy coming at you from the TSR podcast. With me today, Ryan Janky. How's it going, Ryan? I was good until you made me watch that Kevin Smith trailer. <laughs> I did not make that. That was the producer, Corey Morissette. How's it going, Corey? Uh, going well uh, until I got bombarded with hate from the... I didn't make yoga hosers for the record. <laughs> I just showed you the trailer. <laughs> Man, yoga hosers just blew my mind how in- incredibly mixed up of a mash this is. I'm just going to lay it out there and say Kevin Smith has got to be one of the most mediocre... Uh, below mediocre directors that still has a lot of success or people are still talking about him? Oh, or he, he has just zero in... success nowadays, yeah. Yeah, he's... He's, just, he's just always in the social media, so people are always seeing him, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Kevin Smith is one of my all-time favorite directors, and if he's listening, and I assume he is, we really want to get you on the show sometime. But that said, um, I don't get Tusk, and I don't get Yoga Hosers, and I respect that some people do, and that's great, but I am just not one of them. I didn't mind Tusk uh, on the record. I, I watched it. It was okay. I liked it more than Human Centipede, if that helps. But uh, watching the Yoga Horses trailer, I'm just offended as a Canadian because I've been living in Canada for 41 years now. I've never heard anyone ever say a boot. And all through that trailer, it's sorry, a boot, that. It's, you're perpetuating Canadian stereotypes, Kevin Smith. For someone who allegedly loves this country, you're doing more harm than good. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that joke's not funny anymore, a boot. It just it's never scored points with anybody ever, maybe Americans, but enough about that. Um, I, you know, I can't even remember the last time I saw a trailer that bad that just made me cringe. And um, maybe it's that bad that now I am going to have to watch that movie because you showed it to me that it come, when it comes out. Uh, someone online today, and I take no credit for this, had a great line, said it's the middle chapter of the Kevin Smith Needs an Intervention trilogy. Well, you know what? This, this movie stars Johnny Depp's daughter as well as Kevin Smith's daughter. And just from that trailer, they actually look like they're pretty good and may have a good future as actors in, in movie history. I don't know, man. They, they look good. Yeah, they seemed like they were nailing it. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a bad trailer. It's not so bad, but I hear it did not do well at Sundance either. No, he's got to get raked over the coals. Currently, Kevin Smith is on tour with this movie, taking it to different cities and doing a Q&A uh, after the film. And uh, he's even had people uh, standing up in the Q&A and saying, I just wasted 90 minutes of my life. Explain yourself. And he's having to, he, and he comes right out and says, you know what? If you hate this movie, I get it. I understand why you would hate it. But he's just baked all the time and making stuff he finds funny. And he's having fun doing it. So good on you for following your dream and just making stuff you love. But you know what? When you weren't on dope all the time, you made some pretty decent movies. Well, I don't know, man. Adam Sandler's not on dope. He's making movies that he loves. People are paying a lot of money to go see him, but they're still ending up like garbage. You know, I heard a uh, interview with Mel Brooks over on uh, How Did This Get Made, our sister podcast. They don't know that they're our sister podcast, but we just decided that right now. And um, he said that a lot of times bad movies actually find their audience over time. So maybe we'll look back on this, you know, when we're still doing this show 20 years from now and think, you know what? Yoga Hosers wasn't so bad. Tusk wasn't so bad. That Moose Jaw one was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. You never know. You got to love that he's making a film of Moose Jaw, though. That's right. That that was his dream. He wanted to make Jaws with a moose and set it in Moose Jaw. And he actually came to Moose Jaw to scout locations. Even without our film tax credit, he's shooting a movie in Moose Jaw. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Let's put that out there. Uh, You're making a movie in Saskatchewan with no film tax credit. Kevin Smith, you're back in our good books. Absolutely. Yeah, moose can be scary, I guess. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I, I bet moose kill more people than sharks do. 
Yeah, man. Sharks, point. sharks kill literally like three people a year. That's it. I didn't look that up, but I assume that that's true. No, man. <laughs> I, I just I just read that stat the other day. Three people a year. That's it. They don't kill a lot of people. You ask Anthony Jeselnik about it. He'll tell you all about it. Anyways, um, recently I've watched some old movies. Old movies that I have never seen. People have hounded me to watch them. And literally in this last year, I have watched Pretty Woman, Footloose, Dirty Dancing, and Flashdance. All of them. You can tell who picks the movies in Richie's house. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to score points. I'm trying to score points. <laughs> How's that working out for you? I'm back in the good books. This is all about what you said last week, isn't it? <laughs> now, you know what? I, I, aside from the fact that in Flashdance, you got like a 40-year-old guy hitting on an 18-year-old girl. And in Dirty, Old, Dirty Dancing, you got like a 40-year-old guy hitting on an 18-year-old girl. You know, and, and Pretty Woman, you got a 40-year-old guy hitting on an 18-year-old girl. I, I don't know, man. I, I still enjoyed these movies. They were fun little chick flicks. But it got me wondering about all... All the other good movies that have come out, come and gone that I never watched, never seen, and maybe I should actually, you know, watch them, sit down and watch them sometime. You know, that was a really good point. We tend to get locked into our own genres and we miss out on really great films that come out because they don't look like the kind of thing we would like. Yeah, and, and you know, when I was looking back on it, and I'm not saying that the Academy Awards are the be-all and the end-all. They definitely have a reputation for nominating or giving awards to movies that definitely don't deserve it. But man, are there a lot of movies that have won Academy Awards or even nominated that I've never even seen or maybe even heard of. Um, and, and when I was going back, I'm going back to when I was born, 1983 and on. But man, yeah, like... I've never even heard of Out of Africa, 1985, Best Picture winner. Out of Africa is terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it I mean, is, it's not a good, not a good movie. No, yeah, but I, I, it I was know the crash of the 1980s. I remember Out of 1987, Africa. The Last Emperor. Never even heard of it. Never. I, even I remember it. when it, it like swept the Oscars that year, uh, but I've I've never seen it. I was very young and watching the Oscars, and I remember watching the 87 Oscars, and uh, it cleaned up. But yeah, I've never seen that one either. Um, 1989, Driving Miss Daisy. Never seen it. That one I've seen. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd was awesome. You know, maybe that's a segment we should do on the TV show. Like, we've done uh, hidden gems in the past. Maybe sometime we should try unhidden gems or <laughs> gems in the jewelry store or just overlooked gems. Overlooked gems, yeah. Now, uh, on, a, on a side note, as I was scrolling through this entire list of these Academy Award movies that I haven't watched, I noticed in 1991, it was a weird year for the Academy Awards. And you ask anyone that follows the Oscars and knows their history, this was kind of weird because the best picture that won was The Silence of the Lambs, a horror movie, which was unheard of, winning best picture. But it came out so early in the year that it was almost a full calendar year from when it was released to when it was eligible for the Oscars. But they released it in like March of the year before thinking this has no Oscar hopes. And it carried all the way through and still won uh, the, the big four. Uh, that, won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Screenplay, that's, and Best Director. That's insane. That stuff does not happen nowadays. How many movies do you get that have that kind of staying power? Though? Like People will still tell you Silence was a fantastic film. I mean, it's kind of a masterpiece. It's like the Citizen Kane of its own era. Well, that begs the question, what's the last Best Picture winner that's going to have that kind of longevity? It's not going to be Crash. It's not going to be uh, 12 Years a Slave. Anything recent, Artist, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I bet you most people can't even tell you what years those movies won. When was the last really memorable Best Picture winner? Was it Titanic? I tell you, man, there was, uh, in the 90s, there were a lot of great Best Picture winners. 92 was Unforgiven. 93, Schindler's List. Um, man, uh, it was... Forrest Gump comes to mind. Yeah. Forrest Gump was a, 
a really great year for movies. Like uh, that was the year Pulp Fiction came out, Shawshank Redemption, even a movie like uh, Quiz Show or Ed Wood, I think, came out that year too. A lot of great movies in 94. And now Forrest Gump doesn't stand out as being the best one of that bunch. You could say Pulp Fiction, you could say Shawshank. But uh, so I don't think uh, Forrest Gump yeah. is kind of an interesting footnote. Well, that's a good point. Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction both were kind of the same thing. They were overlooked in theaters, and that didn't give them a lot of exposure. The Shawshank Redemption story is kind of interesting because TBS bought the rights to it um, for basically nothing because it was a failed movie and has made a fortune selling that to television stations to show it late night and stuff. And actually before that, it was the number one rented movie of 2005 because it was released in video the following year. And I remember living in Regina, going to Blockbuster, they had a wall of Shawshank, and it was always out. And it was the most, one of the most rented videos of the 90s. Because no one saw it in theaters and everybody missed out. Well, and, and they heard from other people like, yeah, that shrimp shrank thing I saw was, was really good. It also had this title that nobody could understand, right? And that kind of helped or hurt in the marketing department. But once people saw it, they recommended it to friends and it just kind of built and built and built. Yeah, it hurts in the marketing department as far as commercials, but it kind of helps for word of mouth, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man. Um, Braveheart also comes to mind. Braveheart was in there. Hated Braveheart. Didn't like Braveheart, eh? Apollo 13 should have won that year. Easy. Hands down. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of best picture um, winners that shouldn't have won. Definitely a lot of uh, other nominees that could have won. Um, but yeah, and enough about the Academy Awards. Man, that, that's like the exact wrong time of season right now. <laughs> it is, we were way off pace. We just sat down and we did a review of the new X-Men movie that came out. And at the end of the day, this thing was just a cluster that took a nosedive and did not win. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I said it, it's not as good as the sum of its parts. Like every scene seems well executed. Every uh, costume design, all the special effects... Uh, even a lot of the dialogue, I thought, was actually pretty clever. But when you put it all together, it just didn't seem to fit. And you know what, man? Uh, people ask me all the time. They're like, why do you always say that there's so uh, all these movies are garbage? I mean, Corey, you're, man, you're famous for, for <laughs> calling out uh, everything as being garbage. And, and yeah, you know what? You're right. Quit making garbage. That's it is. Yeah, but at the, at the end of the day, the reason why all these movies end up being garbage is because movies are really hard to make. That's just the long and short of it. Well, it's really hard to make big budget films nowadays because it's got to it's got to do a lot of things, right? Uh, corporations are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in these, so you got to appease the bankrollers, and you've got to make it general enough that audiences are going to want to come to it, not just niche audiences, everybody. That's where Force Awakens is an interesting example because here's a movie that tried to do a lot of things. It has to appeal to everybody. It has to apologize for the prequels. It has to follow a formula. And it has to be you know, make Disney happy. It, it can't just be a piece of art on its own, whereas a movie like, say, Room can be. Room was, you know, shot for a few million dollars and was absolutely amazing. But you can't do that with The Force Awakens. They basically remade Part 4 because they had to. It's been 30 years since Part 4. They have to reintroduce this whole thing to a whole new audience. You got to, to a lot of, a lot of, a certain extent, play it safe. Well said, man. I mean, you're literally talking about, like, Brian Schneider's Save the Cat kind of formula where, you know, if you're going to invest $300 million into a movie, uh, you're going to expect some returns. Yeah, all that money almost hamstrings them a bit because they've got a lot of expectations. A lot of people want certain things from them. Plus, it gives them a freedom that kind of hamstrings the creativity. So and this is why we're seeing all of these remakes, we're seeing reboots, and we're seeing a lot of sequels. And we were talking about it earlier, Ninja Turtles 2 came out, and it was the box office winner. With a, It was a soft win. But I mean, and when are we going to start seeing more original movies? I personally think it's not going to be anytime soon. It's not. Studios are scared. And they're not filmmakers. They're not artists. They don't even like movies, I don't think. They're just in it to make money. So is this where streaming services are the biggest advantage for movie cinema? 
Well, I think it is because it allows them to do some more low-budget stuff. Like, if you're going to make a movie that big, you'll need corporate money. Corporate money needs corporate investment. That means equity markets. That means to keep their stock price up, to have equity to actually get the money to do this, they have to have quarterly projections. Quarterly projections do not lend themselves to creativity because creativity requires risk, and that's the enemy of what they're trying to accomplish. So can we give a round of applause for crowdfunding and all the directors and producers that want to use that and make movies? Even something like Netflix, uh, you know, Beast of No Nation was a tremendous movie. Netflix, it, absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, that movie floored me. Uh, fabulous acting by Idris Elba in there, and I can't even believe the guy wasn't even nominated for that role. Yeah, I know. I mean, that that was insane. I think that's another example, like Shawshank Redemption, where it didn't get enough exposure in theaters, and as a result, it didn't get considered when really it should have won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was incredible. I mean, like, let's face it, not everybody has Netflix. We're still not there. You know, a lot of people are still tied to the line, and you know, they're not going to cut the cord just yet. So. There's still good movies being made, though. We just They're harder to find because they're not in your multiplex, right? Marvel is saying, you got to play your movie for six weeks if you want to open it. So little movies like, uh, like Room and uh, Brooklyn and even Spotlight kind of get lost in the shuffle. There's still good movies being made. You just have to kind of seek them out. Did we see this happen in the music industry like 10, 15 years ago? Possibly. How so? Well, consider this. Um, it got to the point that good music was being made by the, uh, you know, the, the music studio system, but it got more and more generic because they wanted to make more and more money and make more of a mainstream audience on FM radio. And then the internet kind of fractured it, and good music was out there for a long time. You had to work really hard to find it because they weren't playing it on FM radio. Then along comes satellite radio and uh, iTunes and stuff to give exposure and it allowed a lot more outlets, but you had to work a little bit harder to find it. Right. I guess we're at that same spot. I guess you could say movies and music are at that same point right now. The only concern I'd have with that is that it didn't really seem to do what we hope it was going to do with music in that artists are still not making any money unless they get into that uh, corporate system. That's why you're seeing a lot of big indie directors making good independent films going on to make these blockbusters. blockbusters. Colin Trevorrow you know, went from indie films to Jurassic World and now Episode Nine. Uh, Gareth Edwards uh, went from a small film, Monsters, to Godzilla. Now he's making Rogue One. Yeah, it's interesting. If this had happened uh, 20 years ago, we could have had Kevin Smith making episode one. And he was in contention for a Superman movie at one point. Like That's for, true. Uh, right and direct. So, Well, let, let's face it. I mean, artists are going to make m- music or movies for the art. They're not doing it for the box. I mean, the, the great ones, right? When you're talking about the, the great artists out there. But at the end of the day, we're still going to see a lot of crap cross the screen. 90% of the movies that we're going to see are going to be garbage. I mean, that's just the long and short of it. End of the day. Talking about garbage, man, I must have seen probably the worst movie that I've seen in such a long time, uh, Fear of Clowns. If you guys have ever seen this movie, it came out, I think, in 2004, and it was just insanely horrible. I can't even see um, this being even considered being a B movie. It was that bad. And it was the one movie that had the greatest, creepiest looking villain I've ever seen in any movie and so much potential that went absolutely nowhere. And they even made a sequel out of it. And that really impressed me. Are you sure you're the most objective source to judge a movie called Fear of Clowns, Richie? <laughs> hey, man, I'm just saying. I watch a lot of horror. I, I'm pretty big into the horror genre. And, and Fear of Clowns, uh, man, th- this, is, this has gone around in a lot of horror circles when they've talked about this stuff. And it, it just, it, it's, it's not a winner, but it's almost one of those movies that are so bad, you have to actually watch this. I'm just saying of the three of us, you're the only one who knows to make balloon animals. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I, I am the best balloon twister in Saskatchewan, hands I'll, down. I'll give you easily, that. Easily. 
No argument here. What I want to know is why, when you have a choice of any movie out there that you could watch, you're thinking, hey, let's watch this crappy horror movie called Fear of Clowns. Hey, man, it was either that or else... Go watch The Godfather for crying out loud. It was either that or Jaws 3. It was not either that or Jaws 3. You already said you had Netflix. <laughs> hey, listen, you, you know what? If you want to be cultured in a genre, you got to watch top to bottom everything that's out there. you got to take the good with the bad, and you got to brush up on some of your history. I mean, that's all there is. I mean... Especially with genres like horror. Horror is a very specific genre where there are diehard fans. You can say that same thing with fantasy, sci-fi. You can say it with, you know, a comedy. The guys that watch just strictly comedy and they can quote any comedy movie and, and nail out lines back and forth, front, you know, top to bottom. Horror is that kind of genre. And you gotta watch Fear of Clowns if you're into the horror genre. Fear of Clowns is why your wife made you watch Pretty Woman. I did not it? I did not watch this with her. No That's movie way. karma. <laughs> Because he chose Fear of Clowns over anything. He had to watch Footloose. Yeah, even Jaws 3. At the end of the day... <laughs> I if, would rather watch Jaws 3. Listen, if you're an aspiring... Lou Gossett Jr. was in Jaws 3. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. <laughs> if you're an aspiring filmmaker, watch Fear of Clowns so you can learn everything no. you're not supposed to do. Never, it is a great example. Great example of what not to do. You're Matt, giving horrible advice, Richie. No, nah, man. It is a, no, I, no, I'm saying it. it was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in such a long time. I can't even compare it to anything. I mean, Ed Wood doesn't even come close to this. I seriously fear for your mental health some days. <laughs> the movie itself was scary in that regard. <laughs> it, it scared the heck out of me, but from the wrong, for all the wrong reasons. It was scary and then it got funded? <laughs> I, I guess so, you know, yeah. If we ever get this uh, podcast on iTunes and they have like little, uh, uh, you know, the little uh, contact words for, for people to kind of search for, we'll put Fear of Clowns in there. And anyone who's actually actively searching for Fear of Clowns content, We'll flock to this podcast. Well, just for everyone to know, I, I found it at a garage sale, picked it up for a dollar, and I thought, meh, for a dollar. <laughs> Man, did I ever regret that. That sounds like a better movie right there than Fear of Clowns. That's the tagline right there. <laughs> I found meh. it at a garage sale for a dollar. <laughs> garage sale, read it all. Man, you can find the best movies in garage sales, and, and don't write See, them That's off. not true at all. <laughs> okay. Okay, let, let's keep going on. Pacific Rim... Probably the best dumb movie or the dumbest best movie I've seen in a long time. Uh, man, I liked it. I felt like a kid again when I watched this. They're coming out with a, a sequel, and it's going to be starring Star Wars' John Boyega. We all remember him as Finn, and I thought he knocked it out of the park in his role in Star Wars. And now he's going to be the lead in this big smash em up movie, Pacific Rim Robots Fighting Kaiju. What do you guys think? Is this a good move for his acting career? Um, probably not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, he'll make some money at it. Uh, Pacific Rim 2, bound not to do as well as Pacific Rim 1. Unfortunately, it's another. that's a movie I enjoyed as well. I like Guillermo del Toro quite a bit. But not a lot of clamoring out there for a sequel. Uh, it's going to be one of those, I think, that you know, it's going to make a quiet $100 million and kind of you know slip off into the sunset, but I kind of hope that they were going to seriously tie that in with the Godzilla franchise. They're both at the same studio. And that would have been some, awesome. There was some talk, but yeah. I doubt that uh, Tahoe or whoever it is who owns that in Japan would have gone for that. What do you think is the play for a Star Wars star? Like I don't mean Harrison Ford; he's a guy who's successfully done it. But none of the other ones have had a whole pile of success, and the same can largely be said for uh, actors in the prequel trilogy. What do you think is the right play for these guys? Is it uh, going the big blockbuster route again, like John Boyega, picking another franchise 
to attach himself to, or do you go to indies and, and try and make a name for yourself? It's an interesting conundrum. It is very interesting, and especially when you look at uh, the biggest star of the show, Daisy Ridley. I mean, this girl's got everything going for her, and especially trying to make it as a female lead in Hollywood, and I think she's fabulous. I'm a big fan of her right now. And, and man, I, I don't know. What, what happened with Carrie Fisher when we saw Carrie Fisher? I mean, Drugs. I... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was nothing else that came across on screen that worked for her. She wrote a bestseller. Yeah. Postcards uh, from the Edge was her uh, memoir. You know, Mark Hamill, he hung in there, but nothing ever close compared to what uh, Harrison Ford did. Mark Hamill's had a lot of success in uh, voice acting, though. I mean, that's not making movies well, exactly, yeah. but I mean, he's had a very, he, very he comfortable is, living. He's always had work, and he's always done well at the work that he's done. I, I You know, and there's nothing against it, but but man, I think Daisy Ridley has such a big, wide open door and probably a lot of doors to choose from. Well, maybe there's a bit of a template here in uh, what... Jennifer Lawrence has done. Like, she's managed to jump from one franchise to another. Now, I wouldn't say that she's necessarily, based on her work anyway, as good an actor as Daisy Ridley, but she's done a very good job of marketing her brand and keeping from being too typecast. And she was the worst part of the new X-Men movie, I thought. I thought she was just horrible. I'm so sick of Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Richie, but is Daisy Ridley still up for the uh, uh, Tomb Raider reboot? You know what? Um, I I haven't heard uh, anything like that. Uh, Scrolling through the net, I haven't seen anything on there. Um, it's pretty crazy. She has such a scattered list of, of roles that she's done in the past. And it almost makes me wonder where she could keep going along the movie route or else maybe try to get into a, a like an HBO quality TV series. Yeah, like something Game of Thrones-ish. Yes. Or- you know, and no one knows what the next Game of Thrones is going to be. No one knows what the next Walking Dead series is going to be. Everyone's waiting for the next Breaking Bad series to come out. And maybe if you are that actress that had a huge movie in Star Wars and you do get into that great TV series, that could be the best thing for you. You kind of get one kick at this can, though, don't you, after Star Wars? Because, I mean, if you have one bad movie after that, and, uh, you know, you certainly see Pacific Rim 2 being that movie... Mm-hmm. Um, you may not have another shot because think, well, she did Star Wars or he did Star Wars, but that's all they've got. Yeah. Just ask any of the prequel actors, right? Like uh, Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd was it, in jail, I yeah. think, recently. Uh, Hayden Christensen has nothing to show for it. The only ones that have had success after are the ones who had success before. That's right. The Ewan McGregor's and the uh, Natalie Portman's. I hear Ewan McGregor's willing to reprise his role as Obi-Wan for uh, one of the expanded universe flicks. I'd watch that. Yeah. So... Uh, the, the new Star Wars movie that's going to be coming out here, uh, Rogue One, uh, apparently undergoing a lot of reshoots. Does this worry you guys? Are you worried about this? Uh, you know, they've uh, come out and kind of clarified what's happening. The original rumor was they're reshooting 40% of the movie. Disney exec screened it and didn't like it. Uh, somebody else was going to kind of take over the shoot. Turns out none of that is true. Uh, this is just the same three-week period. They just added a week. That was always going to happen. Force Awakens had three weeks of reshoots as well. People forget that part. Uh, Disney execs did not screen it. Uh, this is just kind of to, to tie some little things together. Uh, actually, one of the sources said that it's really just a lot of people talking in cockpits. They're not adding any new story beats. They're not lightening the tone or anything like that. Just what happens with a big blockbuster movie nowadays is you always build in three weeks of reshoots. So uh, if something doesn't quite make sense in the first cut, you can tie those loose ends together. Yeah, I heard they did a script rewrite, which is kind of part of the Disney process, after shooting had, well, it wasn't done before shooting had been done, and they liked this new script so much that they thought, we're going to add another week of reshoots so we can get some of this in. And like Corey said, it's mostly just dialogue that uh, 
they thought was so much better than what they had originally shot. It's kind of like a Suicide Squad. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. All the big blockbusters do it nowadays, so I wouldn't worry yeah. about it. It's, it's part of the process. Yeah. Return uh, Lord of the Rings uh, was the first big franchise I remember doing it, and uh, it ended up winning Best Picture. They have kind of an aggressive timeline on these movies. I think it's kind of how they multitask and get everything done in the time frame it has to be done. And like the Lucasfilm source said, if we were redoing 40% of the movie, we'd never make December. We'd, yeah, exactly. we'd be going into next year so. Yeah, well, you know what? These it's in great hands. There's no doubt about it. I think uh, Disney knows what they're doing every single step of the way, and they're not leaving any room for error. They don't take chances on things, and uh, let's they get face their it. flops too. Though, look at Lone Ranger. Look at Alice Through the Looking Glass. This past week, like completely flopped. I, you know what? I'm surprised that even came out. Well, the first one made a billion dollars, so don't be surprised that they made a sequel to it. But uh, Disney does make their flops uh, now and again. They're There's not no perfect. doubt about it. They, they, they definitely do. And, I mean, they can try all their high-concept stuff that they want. And, yeah, they're going to have some winners. They definitely will. Yeah. And, I mean, people might complain about some of their bad movies, but they probably can't hear it over the sound of all the money the Jungle Book made. That, well, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. that's exactly it, though, man, because you, you, can, you can ask anybody you, some of their favorite movies out there, and Disney's always going to have some of their names mentioned. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a couple of black cauldrons in there, but yeah, John Carter, The Conjuring Part Two, getting a lot of great reviews, saying it's an excellent scary movie. Now you see me, now you don't. Part Two, I I'm extremely leery about this. I hated the first one. I was not a fan. Well, you're the magician on the panel. What was wrong with Now You See Me Part One? Besides the fact that uh, your favorite actor was in it. Well, you know what? I, um, I, I loved the characters. I loved the characters. I loved what they could do. I loved their, their personalities and whatnot. Just the story was garbage. And the twist at the end was a cop-out. And it was just, that's, the, that's not how movies should end. It, I mean, yeah, you could tell what was going to happen through the entire movie. And you wish that their characters would have done more with their specific talents that they had. And it just never, it never got there. Maybe that's why I hated it so much, because there was so much potential. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't perform. You know, so is part two going to do it for me? I'm hoping so. The trailer, I mean, I didn't see the movie, so I can't really speak to it, but the trailer seems so gimmicky. Was, like, was that just a bad trailer? or No, that's like the, the whole series. It's, uh, cop-out is a very good word because I expected in a magic movie to see real magic tricks, like tricks that you'd actually see a magician do, and, and this is all not. You think that there has to be limits with that because you are a magician, you're not an actual sorcerer. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let, let's play within those rules and stick to those rules. They call them tricks, right? They're not... For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the metaphor of the whole movie, though. I mean, you think it's going to be a good show, and then at the end, they reveal what's really going on, and you're disappointed. Like, that's why real magicians... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why real magicians don't show you how the trick's done, because it's not fun once you know how it's done. Well, for sure. You know, there was... A, I can't remember what TV series it was, whether it was Man from Uncle or Mission Impossible or something like that, but one of the guys on the, the secret agent team was a magician, and he knew how to deceive everybody, and they stuck to those rules of it being plausible that he could deceive it with, with his simple mirrors and smoke or whatever, not going outside of the box using the sorcerer or... You know, unrealistic things. And I was, that's what I was excited to see. This is almost like a, a group of, 
uh, elite magician, con artist, pickpockets, illusionists that want to make heists or, you know, maybe they're criminals that, that want to do things for the good side or maybe they're even like a super, super spy team using their intellect and their knowledge of those arts to make these things happen. And that's what would have hit a home run with me. Okay, Richie, do you remember like 10 years ago we had The Prestige and The Illusionist come out around the same time? Oh, man, The Prestige is one of the, my favorite movies, and, and I, I can't stop talking about it. But do you like The Illusionist? Garbage. Why is that? Absolute tell, garbage. T- tell us why, because I know what you're going to say. Man, and you know what? I, I can't blame Edward Norton for it. No, he was good. He was, yeah, no, he definitely was, but the story was garbage, because it's yep. the exact same thing. And none of the tricks were real. None of them. Like, every trick they do in The Prestige, except for the one that's just crazy science, makes perfect sense. They don't explain anything, but they actually do reveal at the end it was all a trick, but none of them make any sense. The, the thing with The Illusionist was, was they did do their research on the magic tricks that were performed in this movie, but when they replicated them on screen, they changed them so much that it looked like there was no way that they absolutely could have been done. When Edward Norton grows a, a orange tree from a pot of soil in a matter of minutes, less than minutes, that was an actual trick performed by Harry Houdini. And it floored royalty. It floored people all around the world. But the way that it was presented in this movie made it seem even far more beyond that. And clearly CG. Clearly CG. Yeah, but you know what? The prestige, man... That is a winner. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you remember, Richie, the year that Now You See Me 1 came out was also the year of the incredible Wonder Wonderstone. So we, oh, did, we did a versus man. segment with those two, <laughs> and we both recommended incredible Burt Wonderstone because at least the magic was real. Yes. Yes, it was. And man, they got it. Oh, they totally got it. They, they totally understood. And, and these guys did their homework, not just on basic magic stuff, but also within the magic community about what magicians think about each other and how they act uh, in regards to uh, people they're performing for and their peers, old guys and the new guys coming up. And th- man, this, in my opinion, was one of the most underrated movies that came out that year. And it was an excellent excellent comedy with Jim Carrey which a lot of people forget he was in that and Steve Carell man he was super funny I love Jim Carrey as the Chris Angel douchebag magician that was just perfect casting but what really slayed me was the finale when when they develop their new um, you know the audience disappears trick and and then they show how they go about doing that and it's so funny I howled the whole time yeah every step of the way this was a winning comedy and if anything they should have made a part two to that Hey, as long as we're talking about magic, Richie, are you finally going to tell us how you do that trick where you make the spoons melt apart? Never. I'll take it with me to my grave. <laughs> so, um, but if you haven't seen that, I'm definitely for hire. Check out www.saskmagic.com. Shameless plug. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I am a big fan of magic movies and magic in movies, and it's definitely something that I think you can get excited about when it's done properly. But I, I still don't have any hopes for Now You See Me Part 2. I don't know. I, I, I can't speak anymore about that. Um, we mentioned Warcraft uh, in one of our screening room TV shows, and it was just a brief mention saying, I hope it's a lot better than the Angry Birds movie was when you're talking about video games you know, coming into movies. And I've, I've heard a, a lot of fans love this movie, and I've heard a lot of critics are trashing it, but... To me, it seems like it's almost a new Lord of the Rings franchise that they're trying to get to take off. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Ironically, it's about three generations removed from Lord of the Rings in the source material. But I have heard some pretty harsh criticisms about this film. Specifically, it is this decade's Battlefield Earth. And I can see that right from the trailers. And 
And yeah, I, I don't play Warcraft. I don't know a lot about it. I imagine that if it was done properly and well, then it could be very compelling. But the trailers have made me not want to go see this movie now. Well, there have been some exceptions in recent years, but I can remember a time when a movie would be based in a video game and it would be awful. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and there are a slew of them. And you, it, literally, I, I, I don't have enough toes and fingers to count that many that have come out that have just failed. And the ones that do win, which are very few and far between they're still not, you know, the best movies that came out that year, you know? Is it just that difficult to make a movie based off of a video game? I think maybe if you had a game, uh, and we even saw movies based off of board games. We all know what happened with Battleship. <laughs> maybe the problem is that, like, when we were kids, video games were too simple to really have legit source material. Like Super Mario Brothers, how do you translate that into a movie? But now, Games are so interactive, like uh, Grand Theft Auto or Assassin's Creed might be a good example, hopefully not, but that you almost have to water them down a bit to make them into a linear story. Perhaps, yeah. For what it's worth, uh, Warcraft is currently sitting at 17% on the tomato meter. 17? 17. Wow. Which is uh, lower than Now You See Me Too, which is at 46%, X-Men Apocalypse at 48%, Ninja Turtles 2 at 36%. I'm going through the looking glass even is at 29%. I'm going to ask you to pull up Fear of Clowns. And I don't know. It won't even be on here because <laughs> no one in the right mind chooses to watch something like that ever. Because if it had an 18. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is also the man who hated Creed. Which, no, 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 no. Which no, no. I, one of the topics I wanted to bring up was best boxing movies. Look, and I would put Creed very high on that. Look, list. look. I'm going to make this clear for everybody out there. Richie's insane. Just, because I, hated it, just because I hated it doesn't mean that it might not be a good movie. Like, well-made for everybody else. To Are you saying that it. about Fear of Clowns or about uh, Creed? No, about Creed. Oh. About Creed. So, I realize listeners can't, uh, can't see Richie, but he's actually on a unicycle pedaling backwards right now. <laughs> I'm juggling behind my back while I'm, I'm blowing up balloons. <laughs> he's a magician. He can do all of these things. <laughs> yes. uh, no, man, I, I'm just saying. Um, but you know what? When you're talking about movies based off of games, and I did get to see the documentary... I can't remember the name. Sorry, the name eludes me right now in the battlefield or something like that. And it was a documentary about players on Magic the Gathering, the pro tour, the world tour. And I had a lot of hopes for this movie because I remember, I recall watching The King of Kong, a documentary about playing the arcade game. That's a great Donkey documentary. Kong. Surprisingly interesting. Too. Yeah. Very interesting. And I got excited because I was hoping this was going to be very similar. And once again, it didn't live up to my expectations. Totally dropped the ball. But then I thought... What if they made a Magic the Gathering movie based off of the characters and the world that it created? That's something that I think fantasy fans, sci-fi fans, anyone that has attended Comic-Con, I think they would pay very good dollars to go see a movie like that, and it's something that needs to be done. I don't know. That, that, that's, just, that's just my thing. Because World of Warcraft, yes, uh, this is a world. It is a very beautiful world that has a lot of possibilities that you can do so many things with. And it's very sad to see, see that it's getting trashed with, with, with awful reviews. Yeah, I think it just failed. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe it was in development hell for a while. Maybe it was just a poor script or rushed or it's just a straight-up cash grab. I'd hope not, but I don't know what to tell you. If you're looking for a good uh, video game documentary, though, I'd recommend Atari Game Over, the story about how they dug up all those E.T., cartridges that were buried in the New Mexico desert. It's in my Netflix queue. I've just yeah, never got around to it. It's in Netflix. Absolutely worth a watch. Really, really interesting. 
Yeah, man, I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. You know what? And again, for what it's worth, Warcraft on IMDb, uh, seven point nine out of ten is the average rating so far. Well, so. what does IMDb ratings mean, though? I mean, they seem to be rated on a scale between six and eight. <laughs> it's impossible. You would think with millions of people voting, it would give you a pretty good median average of what people think of a movie. But no. Christopher Nolan movies, whether they're good or not, are always eight point nine. And yeah, but no, you got you got to remember the people that are gonna vote on those movies are the ones that went out to watch them. On purpose, probably with intent to like them even before they step foot in the theater. Yeah, well, that's kind of why you can't really go by the audience score on ever uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. they, they have pretty strict uh, guidelines on who can be a critic. Like, I, I've tried to get in. They won't let me be a critic on Rotten Tomatoes. So It'll they, come. They obviously haven't seen the screening room. Well, that's, that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send them a tape. Yeah, yeah, we're doing that right now as we speak. But, man, yeah, you talk about uh, video games put into movies. There are some good ones. Uh, you know what? One of the there, early- I'm, I'm actually looking at a list. I can't think of one good video game to movie adaptation. I thought Tomb Raider was all right. The it first was okay, one. but you got okay. Tomb Raider, Silent Hill. I enjoyed Resident, Resident Evil, Evil One, Mortal Kombat. I, I enjoyed Resident Evil One. They're all very bad. Street Fighter. Oh, wow, Street bad. Fighter. <laughs> Prince of Persia, Mortal Kombat. I like, still kind of feel that Street Fighter is what killed Raul Julia. <laughs> Here's the thing with Mortal Kombat, and this is just my personal view and opinion on it. It seemed to be that it was a, a the video game was was created from watching Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, and when it came onto screen, then it seemed to me that the, it, it was even more apparent that it was ripped off from Enter the Dragon. Also, Bloodsport for sure. Oh, definitely Bloodsport. I'm surprised that they weren't chanting Kumate, Kumate <laughs> in Mortal Kombat at some point as an Easter egg. As a young child watching Mortal Kombat, seeing some of this incredible violence, crazy CGI, uh, outlandish costumes with all your favorite catchphrase from a game that you've literally spent hundreds and thousands of hours logging into on your SNES. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as a kid. It was a popcorn movie. Like, it was never meant to be talked about this far out, I don't think. Never. Never was. You know, looking at the list, there's only one movie on here I like, and that's not even based on a real video game, and that's Wreck-It Ralph. Man, that was a fabulous movie. They did make the video game. They did. It was a promotional tie-in for the movie. And there's real video games in it, like uh, Qbert. No, No, Qbert was in Pixels. Man. Qbert was in that, too. He was in Wreck-It Ralph, too? I have literally listened to that movie... 55, six, 56 times, I swear. Because my kid's watching the backseat of the truck all the time. Mm-hmm. And John C. Riley, his voice work, and Sarah Silverman, they play great. And I, I love it. Um, I remember when, when you're talking about video games, movie, uh, I think it's called The Wiz or The Wizard? The Wizard, like 1990. Fred Savage. That's the one. There you go. And wasn't that everyone's dream? Turned out to be a commercial for a Mario Brothers game. <laughs> Ouch. I know. Big flop at the end. But wow. Talk about video games coming onto the big screen. You know, I've actually been to that dinosaur park they go to at the end. There's, there's no story here. I've just been to that dinosaur park. <laughs> there's your random, random useless knowledge for the day. What about Tron? I'm old enough to remember Tron. I love Tron, and I really enjoyed Disney's, uh, uh, well, not reboot, I guess, but sequel. The sequel? That was pretty bad. Well, I remember The sequel wasn't as good. I mean, the original I was a classic. Like, what, the original is Woodstock, and the new one is Woodstock 94, brought to you by Pepsi. <laughs> Now, I remember being a kid driving to Plentywood, Montana, and their Dairy Queen in the basement had the Tron video game. So you had the Light Cycle game. You had the, uh, the there was like four different different games in it. And that was my favorite part of Tron was actually playing the video game. So excellent. Were those games good though? I remember them as like Light Cycle was good. Like the, the very first tech demos. But, and you got to remember, this is way back in the 1980s, right? I'm pretty old, so video games to us were if it wasn't Pac Man or Pitfall, it was awesome, right? So nowadays, you, I have a PS4, and you know you. 
I popped an NHL 16 the other day, and it's it's real life video until you get to the actual gameplay, and it still looks better than right. standard FTV. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and revisit that video game, Corey. I'm almost as old as you. I remember standing up on a <laughs> stool so I could put a quarter in to play Pac-Man. Well, I mean, I am actually surprised that there hasn't been a movie that came out called Duck Hunt Dynasty yet. Oh yeah, all the Duck Dynasty guys are out there. You've been waiting all night to fit that in, haven't you, Richard? No, man. It's just. <laughs> you, Richie's got a, a, a full scap here full of just bad puns. That he's, he's at a marker and he's checking them off. They keep me up at night until I can... can, can <laughs> Duck on Dynasty, check. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I don't know. They've got some good new movies that are going to be coming out this summer. Please get into the theaters. Uh, watch some movies. If you've seen Fear of Clowns, <laughs> please let us know. Somebody call Richie if you've seen Fear of Clowns. I don't believe anyone else on the planet seen it. If anyone's seen Kindergarten Cop Part 2 yet, please let us know. <laughs> well, hang on. Corey, did you actually check if it was even on Rotten Tomatoes? No, I didn't. It is on IMDb. It's got a 3.2 rating on IMDb. How do you get 3.2? I, I wasn't joking. They all seem to be between 6 and 8. <laughs> like you know. occasionally get a five or a I nine in there. I guarantee you that director went on some website where a bunch of people in China, you pay them a couple bucks and they'll come on and give you a good, good critic score. Uh, that's the only way that I can think it actually happened. Only, only way. Fear of Clowns is on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has no uh, critic scores. It just has a user score of 31%. That's a terrible, terrible user score. Yeah, there's like a, anything below 80 is bad for a that's user score. 1% less than IMDb. That's pretty close. There's a lot of one and a half stars, zero <laughs> stars. There's a half star. One guy gave it three and a half stars. Was that Richie? Richie Roy. No, no man. No, man. I mean, I'm just saying the movie, the movie had so many uh, great possibilities to happen, but just never hit a moment. Oh, plus, by the way, it stars an actor that is the best hey, we couldn't get Bruce Campbell to do this film, so we got this guy that kind of looks and acts like him. Couldn't get Bruce Campbell. That's exactly what it was, Those man. words don't make sense. <laughs> See, what, what, we're, what we've learned here is that no critic other than Richie has ever watched this movie because no critic other than Richie reviews movies that he bought at a garage sale for I a dollar. I guarantee you... The, the and people, Circle gets the square. I guarantee you the people that started Asylum, the Asylum movies productions, they were watching Fear of Clowns and they say, oh man, we can do way better than I this. I bet you not even they watched Fear of Clowns. <laughs> like, There's some stuff not even we will touch. Oh man, MST3K, they were just like, nope, can't even go there. <laughs> and they've had some doozies in there. Yeah, days. this movie sounds like it's so bad you have to buy it at garage sales because it can't even be in the previously viewed bin because no one's ever viewed it. <laughs> they won't even make the dollar bin at the dollar store. I'll, I'll be even Dollarama has standards, Richie. <laughs> they only produced five discs. Richie somehow found one. I've tried to find the worst horror movies ever. And, man, I've watched a lot of doozies uh, for horror movies. And, obviously, Attack of the Killer Clowns was way better Look, than Richie, this. Look, Richie, your soulmate is on Rotten Tomatoes. Her name is Danielle no, Sloan. No, no. And she gave Fear of Clowns five stars. I'm pretty sure I came out with a disclaimer right at the start saying, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, we need to read that review. Like, this has got to be sarcastic. Like, I give this movie five stars because instead of horro, H-O-R-R-O-W, we got comedy. The joke is this movie is like the rating I'm giving it, LOL. But seriously, my friends and I watched it last night, and quite frankly, we couldn't stop laughing. Especially one of my friends is terrified of clowns. Well, this movie cured her, so thank goodness for that, LOL. But, okay, so where the hell do I start? First off, the actors were just awful. The guy who played the detective didn't even, and I don't know if there's more or not, but I'm not going to click to find out. <laughs> that was enough. We got the gist. 
her and her friends got stoned, watched Fear of Clowns, and now she's no longer afraid of clowns. So. No, she's afraid of this movie. Yeah. Now she's afraid of movies. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, um, horror comes in all different forms. <laughs> That's pretty meta, though. You're not scared of what's happening. You're scared that this movie actually made and somehow found its way to you. That's how I was when I watched Human Centipede. Hey, man, I watched, Fair human, enough. <laughs> I watched Human Centipede Part 3, and it was way better than Fear of Clowns. Why is there a Part 3? I didn't know there was a Part 3. <laughs> I, I couldn't even stomach to bring myself to watch 2. Maybe they Not skipped much less two? Three. They, nope, is there a 2? Two? Two. Yeah, okay. it's more objectionable than the first one. Okay, and uh, yeah, I, I did. I watched Part 3. I made it all the way through it. It had a classic line. Without the, watching parts one end. and two, how did you keep up with the uh, intense plot? I don't know, man. I had to do some. I had to go on the wiki page to find all the the history of it because I was kind of lost. <laughs> when the aliens come to judge our culture, we need to hide that movie. Yes, I don't know. We could bury it in the desert. It's the only the movie I gave games. a zero rating to and said this thing just literally should not exist. Yeah, and it was a mutual friend that hooked me up with it from the Young Fellows Club, Justin. Are you still with the Young Fellows Club, or did you quit after that? I had to quit after that, <laughs> in shame. Yeah, we ran Justin out, too, just, just because he recommended that movie to everybody. Yeah. Uh, that uh, lady from Game of Thrones prating me down Third Street going, shame, ringing the bell. Yeah, man, uh, that's it for me. That's all, that's all I've got for you guys uh, this week. Um, I'm definitely excited to get into the movies, theaters, to watch The Jungle Book. I think it's going to be looking great. Um, yeah, you got to see it on the big screen. Yeah, there are some movies out there where it needs to be seen in the theater. Uh, your TV doesn't, it's not going to do it justice. So I'm excited for that. How about you guys? Any movies? What's your next movie you're going to be watching here? Oh, what's coming up? Uh, well, Ninja Turtles is the current box office king, right? So probably have to go check that one out. Ninja Turtles 2, and I believe we talked about this on the last podcast. It's everything that the first movie should have been. I'm going to go watch Ninja Turtles, not because I think it's going to be good, but because I want to pay to be 10 years old again for two hours. Good one. And actually, the, I think the next big must-see is Finding Dory, June 17th. Yeah, definitely going to be taking my kids to that. Uh, they're going to be loving it. It's a great... I, these movies are great. I mean, the, it's entertaining for everybody of all ages. They look beautiful on screen. They make sense. And they teach good morals, I think. Yeah, for so. sure. This is the third Pixar sequel that's come out. Um, Hoping we're going to get Toy Story 2 here and not another Cars 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put, Ryan. It's good. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Th that's it for me. And, and with that. And with that, it's time to wrap up the podcast. Hey, thank you for listening in to the TSR podcast. Um, you can check out the screening room on Access 7 as well for all our full movie reviews that we do. We tell you like it is because uh, we're not getting paid by anything, by anybody. So Marvel doesn't own us. DC doesn't own us. <laughs> Disney doesn't own us. But if you would like to own us, contact us at right. Access Communications. Our opinions can be bought. Still looking for sponsors. Uh, and so the director of uh, Fear of Clowns is uh, shipping a $10 check to Richie Ray as we speak. <laughs> oh, man, I, wouldn't, I, I think I'm going to forward this podcast just to him. Let's forward this podcast to Guinness, see if there's a world record for the most times Fear of Clowns has been talked about in any movie review context <laughs> or any context ever. There you go. From me, Richie Roy, Ryan Jenkins, and Corey Morissette, uh, thank you for listening to TSR Podcast, and we hope to see you in the screening room as well. Mm -hmm.